Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. Welcome back to the Team Building Podcast, where you learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. We've got an awesome guest today. Unfortunately, Jeff can't join us because he went and got himself double booked for a nonprofit charity event. So uh, we can only yell at him a little bit because he is doing good in the world. And uh, so <laughs> we'll get to my special guest in a second. We're talking about ISAs how they fit into expansion, how to make an ISA department profitable, uh, what's the connection between inside and outside sales. We got a ton of content uh, to go over. Uh, in the meantime, make sure to subscribe on YouTube if you like the video versions. And then if you prefer the audio, if you want to listen in the car, at the gym, or on the way into in uh, the office, uh, hit us up on iTunes and Stitcher and make sure to subscribe there. But let's bring in the guest, Dale Archdecken from Noah Ostrov's team. Dale, how's it going? Hey, I'm great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining us. This is going to be awesome. We're going to go super, super deep on ISAs. One of uh, one of the very first episodes we did was with the guys from Rockerbox, and that was extremely popular because they really pulled back the curtain uh, yeah. and shared their numbers and their process for how they manage their ISAs. And so um, I know a ton of people are interested in this. We we're talking about this before we started recording. There's a lot of people that they're looking to this process. They're looking for other people to manage their ISAs and produce a certain type of lead. We might, we'll get into that, but let's start with just your background. What's the Noah Ostroff team kind of look like? What, where are you guys at in terms of expansions and how many agents do you have? Yeah. So uh, currently we are at, we're in 11 locations. So 11 office locations, Florida, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is our hub. That's where we started out. Uh, we're in New Jersey. Uh, we're in Delaware and the UK. We have one, one agent in the UK, believe it or not. Cool. So, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's awesome. That one's a learning experience, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Florida is a little bit different. UK is way different. <laughs> so uh, this year we are probably going to end up close to a thousand, closing a thousand units. Um, okay. Currently we're at a, a 270 million in uh, pending and closed volume right now. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's where we're at. Um, I think I said we have about 30 agents, about 12 staff. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's how, what the, the level we're operating on right now. And what, uh, so you got 30 agents. What, where's, the, where's the bulk of those? Are they, is there a certain like a hub in like Philadelphia, for example, where the bulk of those people are at? Yeah, most of the agents are in Philadelphia. And then our, each of our expansion offices range from uh, one in the UK up to say four to five agents in an office. Oh, nice. Okay. Very cool. And now do they have like an individual team leader within those four or five or do they all separately report to the hub? Yeah. So we have a, a very uh, pyramid type structure, right? So what we look for when we start a new office would ideally be uh, four to five core members that are producing agents. And then within that four to five, one of them should be our team leader who's going to help to organize and maintain culture and uh, really keep them tied to the mothership, if you will. Yeah. And then those team, those agents and team leaders roll up to a regional director who will handle. So for instance, we have a regional director for Florida that travels around, you know, kisses babies, shakes hands among the, <laughs> and, okay. you know, like really, yeah. I mean, kind of a politician 
uh, position, but you know, somebody who yeah. uh, brings the message from from the troops back up to the mothership and and keeps everybody uh, happy is what, what we try to do and, and keep them productive. Now, are those regional directors, are they out of production or are they doing this on top of producing themselves? So it depends. Uh, some of them are, so two of our regional directors are still in production, probably 50-50, you know, in terms of time, 50% of the time. And one of our regional directors is really a lot less in production, you know, just, it just based on their personal preference. Gotcha. Yeah, that's um, so for us, we have Andy Cooney, our success manager in the Omaha office, who also manages the two expansion teams. And he is about 50 50. But I, yeah, I can see it flipping to where he's just kind of working his personal sphere and the deals that just kind of present themselves and spends 80% of the time on on coaching. So that makes sense. Okay, so then how does the how does the ISA fit in? And, and how are they supporting guys kind of a far flung empire you guys are building? I don't know. I'm not an East Coast guy, so maybe New Jersey and Delaware and Pennsylvania, are, I'm sure they're closer together than maybe I'm picturing in my head, but still Florida and the UK, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're like right next to each other. Yeah, we could drive We could drive to all of the offices in PA, New Jersey, and Delaware in the same day. Could you really? Okay. Gotcha. One day you could drive to all of them. And then obviously Florida is a little bit farther away and then the UK presents its own, you know, unique yeah. challenge. <laughs> you're, you're Skyping at like 7.30 in the morning, but uh, yeah. okay. So, uh, so how do the, what, what's the, the role, what's your ISA department look like and, and what's the makeup of that department? So the way that we're using our ISAs is that they are a supplement to the, it's, it's a bonus to the, our agents when they receive appointments from the inside sales department. So our growth, our uh, entire production and team is not, is not based on the ISAs. The ISAs are an additional component to that. So it's just like another marketing channel that you would bring on. Yeah. So if you imagine what we've done is we've taken all of the marketing that we're doing and we've added on this engine that it flows through, right? And that produces appointments on the other side. But just like most, uh, most teams, now there are some teams who are entirely driven by their, their marketing and their leads and those flow to their agents and that's the primary business that their agents do. We're not set up that way. So our agents still do 75% of their own business and 25% of their business comes from the inside sales department. Okay. Very cool. And when you say like 75% of their own business, what's, what's your guys' model for what you teach your agents on how to generate their own leads? Uh, so we really work with Keller Williams and we leverage a lot of the training that comes along with Keller Williams, right? So bold, ignite, all these different types of training programs that are all centered around teaching and empowering the agents to drive their own business and create their own uh, leads and, uh, you know, create their own business really. That's, so that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're basically leveraging the Keller Williams training mm -hmm. and, and helping our agents to understand how to build their businesses within our business. Yeah. So you're trying to build on a solid foundation of agents that, that can be solo agents for forever. Uh, they're not, exactly. yeah, they're not relying on, Anyone? on your ISA department. They're not relying on boomtown leads and that sort of thing. Right. Any one of our agents could leave our, our company and still function as an, as a solo agent. Okay. All right. So, well, that's an interesting point. Let's go deeper on that just for a second before we get back to the ISA. So obviously the ISA department is a, is an added value, but it's not presented as like the, the engine of how they're going to run their business. So yeah. what's, what's, what's the value prop for you guys to a new agent? And I'm so sure ISA is part of that, but what's the, what's the full value prop? 
So our mission statement is to bridge the gap between what a traditional brokerage provides and what a modern agent needs to build their business, right? So if you imagine that a, that a brokerage, uh, as we know it, typically will provide a space, a desk space, they'll provide uh, some management or they'll provide some assistance from a legal perspective. Um, they may even provide some assistance in terms of branding and, and maybe some marketing or they may negotiate deals on your behalf, like with Zillow or Trulia in order to get better branding out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's really the, the end of it, right? So uh, they don't, a lot of them don't typically, with the exception of Keller Williams, provide in-depth training and coaching and, right. and accountability and, and things like that, right? Uh, we also provide the culture in which people can really come together and, and take their business to the next level. Because let's face it, as an, I was an individual agent for a long time. And it gets lonely out there. Yeah. You can get lonely as an entrepreneur very easily. And yeah. you can find your own ceiling much easier by yourself than you can find a ceiling as a group. So when you, right. when you collaborate with other top producers, which is what we bring together on our team, it really raises the roof for everybody. Interesting. And then yeah, we'll I, I like that bit of phrasing, the, the bridging the gap between what a traditional broker provides and what a modern agent needs. That's a very effective way of explaining like that you're essentially stepping into a gap and saying, look, this is why we exist is because there's this need that they're not filling. And rather than just going and paying for coaching, uh, you should join this and join, join a culture and join, um, join a group of people that will help you find that level of success rather than just paying to be held accountable for, for stuff. So yeah, I like that. That's, that's good. I, I love that bit of phrasing. And then if we manage if we get down to the nuts and bolts then of what we provide sort of the, the so that's more the soft mm -hmm. currency, right? Right. We'll talk about the hard currency. We handle the agent's marketing pieces for them, right? So okay. we handle direct mail pieces for them, their marketing, their design. We support them with websites. We'll get them set up with what they're, you know, how they want to market their business. Uh, we help them with their business planning. We help them with their 33 touch and eight by eight touch campaigns for people who don't know that. Right. Basically, it's, it's the process that you're going to put in place to stay in touch with your database and, and nurture your, your own sphere of people over time. So we help the agent create those and we support them by doing that. And then we add in also the inside sales department, contract management, uh, all, all these things. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, oh, let's go back to the transaction management before we move on too quickly from that. What's, do you guys provide full transaction management from a hub or do you help them like offset the cost of hiring somebody locally? From the hub. From the hub, really? Provided from the hub. So our conveyancers are uh, trained on whichever region they're supporting. So we have conveyancers who understand how to, um, how to handle transactions in Florida, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So that's how you avoid crossing the lines of, you know, this person primarily does Pennsylvania, but also a Florida deal here and there. And then you get all the confusion. And yeah, so you have people assigned by region. So it's just like hiring somebody on the ground, but they show up to the office in Pennsylvania. You can manage them in person, but they know they're managing just the transactions in that one region, which makes, exactly. that makes total sense. I love that. Okay. If you look at it this way, so our agents in Florida, it's almost like they've hired their own VA who's already trained and understands how to do everything that needs to be done in their area. Mm -hmm. And some of this managed in person that you know they're being productive on a daily basis and you don't yeah. wonder, 
you know, hmm, I wonder if in the Philippines their internet is working right now. I have no idea whether they're working right now. <laughs> so yeah, I need to come sense. up with something for them to do, and I haven't yes. given them. To do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have no idea what that feels like. I don't know what you mean, so I didn't do anything about You've that. Never experienced that one, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I did definitely did not have a call with my VA in the Philippines this morning with that exact content. Hey, uh, so what are you doing? Um, <laughs> uh, I, um, like, like, can we do like, yeah, it's like, you tell me what, what else can you do to fill your time that would help me out? It, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So, so back to the, uh, so let's go deep on the ISAs real quick. And what's, what's the structure? Are they domestic? Are they foreign? And what, where do they kind of fit into this whole expansion structure? Sure. I, we use domestic ISAs, right? So we hire them. They're in-house, uh, native English speakers, local folks. Um, I've just found that to be the, so I was a heavy phone prospector, right? Let's just put it this way. I came from a prospecting background. I'm one of those people who would rather call a thousand strangers than call one friend and say, "Will you give me a piece of business. I'm that weird person. I, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. This is how it works, man. Give me a list of strangers and I'll call them all day. Um, okay. So in me looking at, okay, how, when I was trying to figure out how to do inside sales, it was like, well, what do I know, right? What I know is that trying to get appointments with expireds and FISBOs and, and complete strangers uh, is, is hard to do. And if I have an accent or if I don't understand the local culture, it's going to be even harder, in my opinion. Right. So I can't imagine having that headwind against me as well. So I said, all right, I'm just going to go with domestic. I'm going to find local people and I'm going to train them how to be killers like me. That's that's what I went for. OK. All right. So what's uh, what's the structure of the team look like? How many people and are you paying them? Like, are they showing up and doing a part time, full time? How much are you paying them and are they bonused and how much? So we, we hire full time agents. Uh, full-time ISAs, and they are paid a base salary of 30000 a year plus 5% of GCI of a transaction that they produce. Okay, gotcha. Right? So, uh, for our, so our goal for each ISA is for them to hit 60 transactions a year. I've got ISAs that hit anywhere from 40 to 55. So I haven't quite gotten anybody to actually hit 60 yet, but 60 is the goal that we shoot for. And with, our, you know, given our average um, commission, that would put them at about a 60,000, you know, 60 to $65,000 total earnings for the year. Okay. All right. So salary plus, plus a reasonable commission that, that gives them a chance to make about 60, 65 a year. That makes sense. Okay. And um, where, where do you find your typical, like, what's the profile of someone that thrives in that system for you guys? So here's, what, again, my opinion about personality profiles is that when I'm, what I've discovered in my opinion is that there is no perfect profile, mm. okay? Okay. Because I believe and I've seen that every personality type has its own struggles that you will have to uh, coach and train around if they are coachable and trainable. Okay. So when you have people out there looking just for high Ds, the difficulty with high Ds is they can be too aggressive. They can take rejection personally and become defensive. And they can have a problem with building rapport and creating a nurturing database that's then going to turn into business for them. Sure. That makes sense. Especially like high, you're talking about like high D, low I. High D, exactly. Um, so that, that, can be, that can present its own problem, right? 
High eyes can struggle with pur purposeful language. They can talk themselves in and out of appointments before the prospect even has a chance to say anything. <laughs> okay. Um, high S's. Uh, I've found high S's to have a lot of good stability and just come in and keep doing it day after day and do what they've, what they've been asked to do. And if you can teach them to close and teach them to objection handle, then they can be great ISAs. But they can, they can struggle with closing. They can struggle with pushing people out of their comfort zones. And high C's just, they should really be processing transactions as far as <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, high C's. I want to disclaimer. I'm a high D. I'm a D and a C, so I, I understand. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's an interesting combination. Uh, one of the previous guests, her episode hasn't come out yet, but Natalie... Uh, Pigeon, who runs a team, an expansion team of, of a guest um, of ours. She's in Denver. And that's exactly what she is. She is she is a C. So she's got all the process, all the systems, uh, that part. But she has enough of the D that she's able to get things done. Let's go. Let's get it moving and not get stuck in analysis paralysis. But she does have, um, yeah, she's not out there like pounding the phones necessarily or going, or working her database for for deals. So yeah, that makes total sense as to why you are a, a heavy phone prospector and don't want to call your database. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Okay, I'm a high D, and I understand. I identify with that database problem, right? Right. Uh, you know, for all the years that I was a heavy prospector, basically, I, I give the analogy of I was driving around in my car with the air conditioner on full blast with all the windows open. Right. Because I wasn't capturing a database, right? I wasn't nurturing these people. I was just like, yes, keep going. Where's my next sale, right? Yeah. Who's whatever. got my money? Who's got my money? Where's it? You got my money? Where's my money? I want my check. Where's my check? Right. My check. Oh, man. Grant Cardone. Gotta love it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, uh, so you've got, you said like 30 some agents spread out across, you know, multiple regions. Uh, how many ISAs are supporting those 30 agents? So right now we have four full-time ISAs. Okay. So four full-time. All right. Uh, and uh, the last time we spoke, you made a reference to, and I want to make sure that we cover this. So you don't believe in part-time ISAs. If, is that right? So here's, well, let's start with where I do believe in part-time ISAs. Okay. All right. All right. So I think that if you're going to be doing a lot of circle prospecting, part-time ISAs make a lot of sense. An hourly uh, circle prospector, college kids. Uh, there's some really successful teams that leverage those. Um, if you are doing, in my opinion, if you're doing heavy outbound prospecting where you need skills and ability to convert, like expireds, withdrawns, FISBOs, uh, and even in my opinion, um, website leads, registrations, things like that, I, I, I believe that you need a full-time ISA in order to, one, ramp up faster, right? Because okay. it's going to take you, it's going, there's going to be a big learning curve to be able to do something like that. And with part-time, I don't believe that they're going to have enough hours in the seat making it happen or enough hours on the phone to, to cut that learning curve time down, right? And, and time is money. So if I'm paying them, uh, I want them ramped up as fast as possible, and I believe in putting them in full-time to make that happen. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So it's more that it's, it's that circle prospecting doesn't require quite the skill level and fingertip feel for when to close on an appointment. They can just be nice people provide information, nurture, 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 and that's good enough. You can have them working part-time. Dude, they're just throwing horseshoes, man. That's like, you just got to get it close. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just, just got to get it close. All right. 
All right, cool. So, uh, so we talked about domestic versus foreign. You're you're a hundred percent for domestic. We talked about kind of the the pay scale and stuff. And I think that's that's where most people stumble on that because they look at a foreign VA as a way around that to get them started. Get you know, kind of do it on the cheap and stuff like that. Um, so when you teach somebody to, to hire their first ISA, let's say you're you're speaking to a rainmaker, they don't have thirty agents. Where do you teach them to start, and and why? So I teach them my entire system. So I, 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 I have this class. It's basically inside sales department in a box. And it teaches them everything from soup to nuts. Okay. So it teaches them my uh, high uh, velocity recruiting and screening process, which really sort of revolutionizes the way that you go about trying to screen and hire so that you can leverage yourself to the point where you can screen hundreds of candidates and actually find the couple of gold nuggets that are gonna be able to do this. Because one of the places where people go off the rails is that recruiting and hiring and screening is so such an arduous process, right? Doing it the old way, that people get, you know, rainmakers get tired, they don't have time for this stuff, right? So they, then they'll just select somebody, whoever the, they'll select the best of the worst and, and hire that person. But in order to get it right, as, as you may know, you've you got to kiss a lot of frogs before you're going to find your prince or princess, right? So you've got to go through a lot of people, but who has time to do that? Yeah. So I just came up with a process where I can quickly do a skills-based assessment on somebody, on a lot of people very quickly to actually distill it down to the very few that are probably going to work out. Uh, and then I teach them uh, how, how to train them, uh, how to leverage training, how to get them trained and then how to hold them accountable and what kind of time commitment it's going to take for them to actually make this person move up into production. So my advice is before anybody hires an ISA, take my training or sit with someone else or Jeff or whomever, uh, you know, the Rockerbox guys, Sam Monreal, whoever, Tim Heil, whoever can teach you what you're going to need to do to become successful doing it, start there first and understand what kind of commitment you're going to be making. Yeah, and let's talk about that. Well, I mean, when you talk about bringing on a new ISA, with all the from from recruiting to hiring, onboarding, and then getting them into production, getting them ramped up. What what do you feel like is the best time frame to be prepared for? So here's what I would say: is that uh, it'll take. You know, going about it the way that I go about it, it will take you a month or two to find one or two solid candidates and get them hired. It will take you another month to get them not only trained and ramped up on your systems, but also to the point where they are, you know, plowing through calls every single day. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's going to take what, what I tell ISAs when I hire them is that 75% of their commission income is going to happen in the second six months. So they need to be prepared to support the base salary that we're able to offer them. Yeah, that if makes they're sense. not able to do that for six months, then it's not going to work for them. Because they may get a few closing in the, closings in those first couple of months. Uh, but, you know, unless you just have come list me calls, you know, blown up your phone, uh, it's going to take them a good six months to really get into production. Yeah. And to also generate a nurture, a nurturing database that's then going to start popping appointments out for them that will then turn into more contracts. Gotcha. Okay. 
Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So let's, um, so for the people out there that might already have a team, let's say they've, they've even experimented with ISAs before, and that's a lot of people listening uh, to this particular show. Um, what is, what is the difference between, and if you go back to one of the very first episodes of the team building podcast, we interviewed the operations manager for Joshua Stern's team in Utah. And he made the comment that they essentially eliminated their ISA department, which I think was three people, if I remember right, because it wasn't profitable. It was easier and more profitable for them to stop paying a bonus for the appointments they were generating from the ISA team because they were lower quality than what the agents would have set for themselves. So they said, well, let's do away with ISAs and let's just have the agents generating their own appointments because if they have to go on their own appointments, the appointment quality will be higher and then we can stop paying a bonus to these other people. So what's the difference with like with your system with expansion and how you guys support your agents with with ISAs? How are you making sure that it's actually profitable to pay them and without sacrificing like the appointment quality? That's a great question. So I think the appointment quality comes from the training and the coaching that you provide to the ISAs to begin with. Okay. That's why when I say that uh, anyone who wants to hire and manage inside sales, they need to understand that uh, the commitment that they have to make. What I do is I train, I hire and train salespeople and I teach salespeople how to be real estate agents. All of our ISAs are licensed. They are real estate agents. They are at the, at the caliber of any outside agent. The only difference is they just don't go on the appointment. They don't actually walk the consumer through the process to the end. So there's a piece of the sales process that they don't have. However, they are highly trained salespeople. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Right? So they're the same thing. And, and as a matter of fact, I would take any of my ISAs and I would put them up against any producing agent out there when it comes to lead generation, lead conversion, objection handling and appointment setting, right? right? Because that's what they specialize in. I'd put yep. them up anybody in terms of that. And if you invest from the beginning in that, so the, the process that we use, the amount of money that we pay, the fact that we use domestic requires that we have full-fledged salespeople sitting in those chairs doing that lead generation follow-up. That's, that's, I believe, what makes the difference. Okay. Interesting. So it's the, the, the training, the coaching, getting them to set the right type of appointment. Obviously, their bonus is based on deals that close anyway, so it's in their best interest. But uh, yeah, I would imagine there's some some appointments that will sneak through that might not be the best. But they're, they're, they're all. Yeah. And, yeah. Connected, but how, how closely are they working? Like we went, we talked a little bit of, in the intro that we we're going to cover, like the connection between inside and outside sales. What's the communication loop? So when that agent that has to actually go on the appointment receives the appointment, goes on the appointment go, well, this is crap. Like what, what was the, what's the feedback loop to get back to the ISA? And that happens. Then they yeah. call the ISA and they're like, dude, this is crap. What happened? And then the ISA says, well, what was their objection? And it was, well, I want to meet with other agents before I sign. And the ISA is trained to say, well, did you ask them uh, what they think they're going to hear that might be different that they haven't heard yet? And then the outside agent's like, well, no, I, I didn't ask that one. Maybe I'll call them back. Yeah, call them back. And so then, you got uh, the ISA is like coaching the outside agents yeah. on how to handle their appointments. That's funny. Yes. Okay. I'll tell you something. The way that I coach the ISAs is look, you guys, I'm holding you respond. I'm holding your job responsible for producing at least five contracts a month. And they're like, well, we don't have, we can't control that. And I'm like, hey, 
I don't want to hear what you can't control. What can you control, right? So I want you to talk to that outside agent, and I want, but when you hand them that appointment, I want you to ask them if they're ready to take that contract when they go on that appointment. I want you to follow up with that outside agent and find out if there's anything that could have been done differently to close that appointment. And I want you to give them, I want you to coach them. I want you to coach them up on this. And if they have difficulty with asking for a buyer broker relationship agreement, I want you to get into that with them and find out why. I want you to objection handle this outside agent. That's what I want you to do. Boy, that's a big one, isn't it? The buyer broker agreement. Oh, huge, huge, huge. <laughs> okay. Um, so when, and that's a part of your culture, right? So when agents come in fresh, they shouldn't know the difference, right? No. Yeah. Um, how, how many of your agents, I'm curious, like, are you bringing guys in that are fresh to the business as your outside agents as well? Or are most of those, you know, two or three years into the business with some bad habits that have to be broken? We typically look for producing agents who are generally in the three to $5 million range who okay. have experienced the pain of trying to hire and manage their own staff before okay. and, and are uniquely positioned to understand the value that we bring more so than a brand new agent who thinks that we're just picking their pocket. Uh, right. You know. Yeah. Cause of the splits. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Okay. So that, so we covered the, the profitability angle. It's all in, it's, it's in that, it's in that feedback loop of, of giving the ISA the right and the responsibility to follow up with the outside agent and essentially coach them on how they could have better closed the lead that they so lovingly handed off to them. Uh, love that. Okay. This is the team. And so here's the whole process, right? So the ISA receives a lead or generates a prospect from prospecting. Uh, they set an appointment. The ISA has pretty diligent notes inside the contact record. Um, and we also have recordings of the call. And the ISA will then reach out to the outside agent and say, hey, I have this great appointment for you. Here's the, all the details, the when, where, why, what, how much, everything you need to know. The ISA also reaches out via text and uh, call to, to that OSA to make sure that they have it. Um, they've provided them the recording. They've provided them the notes. And then the OSA then takes the ball and one thing I want to say is that when the ISA, this is another reason why our ISAs are licensed and they're trained just as salespeople is because when they are on the call with that lead or that prospect, the ISA speaks to them as though they are the agent. Okay. Right? There's no, uh, I'm going to transfer you to somebody or I'm going to hand you off or I'm just taking a survey. It's you and me, buddy. I, I want to help you. I want to come see your home. I want to meet with you so we can talk about your needs. And only after you, Matt Johnson, have agreed to meet with me, then it's, hey, you know what, Matt, that's fantastic. You're going to be meeting with my specialist who works in that neighborhood on Wednesday at 8. Not Wow. 80% of the time, you're just like, okay, great. That sounds, that sounds wonderful. I'll see you Wednesday at 8. Uh, every once in a while, you might be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean I'm meeting with somebody else? Where are you going to be? Then we just explain to them that look, we work as a we work as a team. We're a very the reason you're going to work with us is because we're a highly specialized team. I'm your partner in house. I'll always know what's going on with, with what's going on with you. My partner that you're meeting with, they're the agent out on the street. And so I'll see you Wednesday at eight. Interesting. Yeah. So right from the very beginning, this ISA is is absolutely in control of this transaction. Then we bring in the outside agent. It becomes a team. It's a team effort, right? So if we were doing a relay race and 
you know, the ISA hands the baton off to the outside agent and the outside agent screws it up, we're all gonna say, hey buddy, what's going on? Like, let's, where's this going off the rails? Let's get this back together, man, come on. Like, get your head in the game, right? Okay. Likewise, if the outside agent goes out there and they're like, dude, what did you send me on? Like, <laughs> right. you didn't ask that question? You know, right. like, why didn't you do that? Yeah. They're coaching up the ISAs too. It's a team effort. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, I can see that working when you have people that they're, they're relating to each other on a professional level as we're all professional salespeople. You're inside, I'm outside. Not you're an assistant who's there to set appointments for me. Yeah, that, so that I understand that the psychological dynamic is completely different than the way most people run their ISAs. So for, for you as an ISA manager and for anyone that's in that position where you have this sales team, so what when you talk about like you're judging them by your goal is to have five contracts, that, that's per person, right? Per month, yeah. Yeah, so what's, like that's a, obviously a, a lagging indicator as we would call it. Like what are, the, what are the leading indicators that you're tracking to make sure that they're on track to hit that overall goal? Uh, that the ISAs are on track? Um, we're looking at the number of contacts that they're making daily. We're looking at the number of appointments that they're setting. Okay. So we're looking for 40, uh, 40 appointments a month. Um, now, obviously, in in the busy months, uh, if you if you have seasons, then that's going to be much higher. In the in the slower months, you're going to be struggling. You know, that's just a reality. Likewise, with the contracts. So um, I measure them to five contracts minimum monthly. You know, in the in the fat months, everybody's happy. They're happy to come to that one on one meeting with me. Uh, in the thin months, man, they're like, I, I got to take a sick day. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But, but do you, I mean, you know this in advance. So have you adjusted your goals to, to accommodate for that? No, I just keep it at no. five. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. So I, we, i not, I want to say solve, but we've, we've adjusted for that. So, so our success manager, Andy Keenan, when he sits down with somebody that's an agent and they set their overall goals for the year, they'll break that up and they put the year on a bell curve essentially and figure out, okay, well, spring and summer, then that means you're doing four deals a month. And then December, you're doing maybe as long as you hit one, you're good. And the overall, it'll equal your 25 for the year, whatever the case is. So that's, yeah. that's another option. We found that that works to avoid <laughs> stuff like that, where you have those, you know, the, the, um, that also helps them keep motivated during the busy months to capitalize. Whereas if you have like that minimum, and they feel like they exceeded it, then some people will back their foot off the gas pedal, not realizing that if they would, then, then they got to like, they got to turn on the gas in November way more than they want to. So there's yeah. a, that's an interesting, interesting strategy, but you're tracking contacts and appointments. Um, yeah. Anything else? Do you guys, do you guys look closely at like your call to contact ratio or anything like that to like monitor the quality of the data that's going in? Yes. Yeah, so I work it backwards, obviously. Right. So if they're not hitting their contracts, are they hitting their appointments? Uh, if we're actually appointments conducted to appointments set, right? Yeah. That's so a big one. How's that ratio doing? Uh, and are they hitting their contacts? And then if they're having trouble getting their contacts, how's their dialer time look, right? So how many attempts are they making? Uh, and then um, what was the other metric that you just mentioned, Matt? Oh, was it call, call to contact ratio? Call to contact yeah. ratio, yeah. So I then will get down to, okay, look, you're, you're making your contacts, uh, but you're having trouble setting appointments, right? So that's when we look at the call to or the contact to appointment set ratio. Um, and I especially focus on that with new ISAs because that's critical. So, you know, the golden, we try to work them down to 15 contacts to an appointment, but they're going to start out somewhere like 
30, 40. Yeah. Tax to an appointment, right? So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a progression. You work them down, you know, and then they, they hit 30 and then they hit 20 and then they get under 20 and it's amazing, you know, and they're doing great. Okay. Interesting. I like that. All right, cool. So, uh, so any last, uh, any last pieces of advice for someone that is looking to make that initial jump? Let's say they have a small team, they've got some agents and they're looking to add an ISA, which I think is where most people are at when they start thinking about an ISA. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where most people are thinking about it. They want a way to say, look, my agents are not, they're not responding to the leads like they should. I really would rather have them go through an ISA first. That way we've got somebody that's dedicated. They're in the office every day. They can pick up the phone. They can get to the leads within five minutes. Uh, is that kind of the way to kind of dip your toe into the ISA waters? Yes, it is. That's the point at which you should definitely have an ISA. But there's one thing that I want to say, and that is whatever sales management challenges you're having with your agents this is kind of like having a baby to save a bad marriage. Right. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> right? <laughs> so the same, the same, yeah, the business is an expression of the rainmaker. So whatever challenges you have with your agents, yes. you're going to have the same challenges with the ISAs. Yes. And the ISA, adding the, the additional layer of an ISA is going to expand your management problems with your outside agents. Okay. Interesting. So look, as much as I want to tell everybody, yes, run out and hire ISAs and pay me to coach you and train you on how to do it, because that would be great for me. I want to be really realistic with people and that hiring an ISA, bringing in that other layer of management, uh, responsibility, and um, making your team dynamic more complicated in that way will, will expose to a greater degree some of the management sales management issues that you're already suffering from, okay? So, you know, what I would say is that <clears throat> find out why your agents are not working these leads. Do they think they're crap? Are they too busy to do it? Are they, do they not have the right tools and ability to time block themselves appropriately, right? What is going on that is causing them not to do it? So get, be real with your team, have a come to Jesus meeting. Let's all sit down and talk about this, right? Figure out what's going on. And yes, ISAs are absolutely the key way to systematize and, and, uh, cons and cause consistency to happen with your lead capture and lead follow-up and lead conversion. Uh, but if you take that you know, machine and you plug it in there, but you still have significant sales management issues, those aren't going to go away. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I had to look this up, but um, at the Bill Gates quote, the first rule of any technology in a business is that automation applied to an efficient operation will magnify the efficiency. Automation applied to an inefficient operation will magnify the inefficiency. So that's, it's, um, yeah. Same he said it much better than I did. Well, that's it. Bill Gates, very smart man. Anyway, we'll, <laughs> have, to, uh, we'll have to end there, but uh, Dale, how, do, how does everybody connect with you and take a step towards you and learn about what you're doing? Great. So they can find me at smartinsidesales.com or they can also go to my private Facebook group, uh, smart, uh, search for Smart Inside Sales Agents on Facebook and uh, join the group. Very cool. And then if they wanted to reach out to you directly about potentially working with you on coaching uh, them or their ISAs. Yeah. So uh, they can email me, dale at phillyliving.com. That's P-H-I-L-L-Y, like Philadelphia. 
Okay. So Dale at phillyliving.com. Um, yeah, or just Google me. I'm pretty easy to find. Yeah, yeah. And and for referrals as well. So you guys are in, obviously, Philadelphia and Pennsylvania in general. You're also in New Jersey. Where, where at are you guys in Florida where you'd like to receive referrals at? Uh, Miami, Coral Gables, and uh, Fort Lauderdale. Cool. All right. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap it up right there. We could talk for another couple hours about this topic. Um, so we might have Dale on uh, here in the near future again. Uh, but if you guys have any further questions about ISAs that we didn't cover, let us know. Um, when when these episodes get posted into uh, like our Facebook page and our private group uh, for anybody that's been to the workshop before, uh, if there's stuff that I didn't ask Dale, if I asked some of the wrong questions and you'd like me to go deeper on certain things, we'd love to have Dale back. So just let us know what questions you want asked. Um, and then Dale will also be invited into the private uh, Facebook group when he comes to the workshop uh, and he'll be able to like interact and answer questions there as well. But anyway, uh, for future shows, make sure to subscribe on YouTube for the video versions. For the audio, make sure to hit us up on iTunes and Stitcher and subscribe there. And uh, we'll see everybody on the next edition of the Team Building Podcast. Thanks, Dale. Thank you.